0: This is a podcast from the Royal Court Theatre. The following content may contain strong
1: language. Welcome back to the third series of the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast with me, Simon Stevens. There's a handful of figures in the history of the Royal Court Theatre that define the place. They carved the path that, whether they are aware of it or not, every artist that has worked here after them is attempting to travel down. One of that handful is the Welsh actor, director and playwright, Peter Gill. Born in Cardiff in 1939, Gill came to London in his late teens and got work here at the Royal Court as an assistant director. He worked with those figures who established the theatre in its first decade. He worked alongside George Devine, Lindsay Anderson and Tony Richardson. He worked as a stage assistant with Anthony Hopkins on the touring production of Look Back in Anger. He auditioned for Angelico. He established his name as a director at the court towards the end of the 60s when his seminal production of D.H. Lawrence's trilogy of plays established Lawrence as firmly as a dramatist as he was known until then as a novelist and prose writer. Gill's first plays were written in the same decade. They are amongst my favourite plays in post-war British theatre. The formal inventiveness, compassion, honesty and linguistic poise of plays like Small Change, Kick for Touch, Cardiff East and The York Realist slay me quite completely. I once earned what I can only describe as a hard stare from Guardian theatre critic Michael Billington when I told him that I considered Gill's debut play The Sleeper's Den to be as striking as its contemporaries Edward Bond's Saved and Harold Pinter's The Homecoming. Gill established the Riverside Studios in Hammersmith in 1976. He made the place one of the cornerstones of exploration and energy in London's theatrical culture. His many landmark productions as director there included the still celebrated startling opening production of his own version of Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard. And at the start of the 80s, he moved to become an associate at the National Theatre, where in 1984, he established the National Theatre Studio the studio became and remains a hot house of exploration and invention for the leading theatre artists of its time. There are few, if any, buildings or institutions more fundamental to the last 40 years of British theatre. He's directed nearly 100 productions across the UK and North America and continental Europe. He's directed Shakespeare and Sophocles, Turgenev, Pinter, and Sam Shepard. It strikes me as a coincidence of the happiest possible order that due to a variety of administrative problems we're unable to record this conversation today in the usual confines of the sound studio on the theatre's fifth floor and so we find ourselves instead in a makeshift space here on the stage of the Royal Court Theatre downstairs. There can be no more appropriate writer to christen this stage as a conversation space for these podcasts and no more appropriate place to record a conversation with a man whose soul runs so deep in this theatre. Peter Gill, welcome back to the Royal Court. When (laughs) When was the last time you stood on this stage?
0: Well, I suppose as a director it was was when I was the writer was when we did the York Realist here first. Yeah. But I came recently to see I've forgotten the name of it, a young American uh, documentary Make a Woman, oh, which I very much enjoy. Producer
1: Rauschka is going to correct us well, uh, that at the end with the name of that play. Uh, um, do you come here often still? Do You see a lot of places. I come here?
0: when I don't go and off. I, I'm not a good audience really. I I do tr- go, and I mostly only go and see new things. I don't really go and see classics. Though, so having said that, I had a very nice experience when I saw a production of. Of the way of the world at the Donmar, which mm. was the first class I thought. James but McDonald's, on production. the whole, I avoid that. Was James McDonald, I think. Yeah. I, I avoid going to see old plays in new productions.
1: Right. The, uh, uh, um, I always start these conversations, proper, the proper start to the conversations, by asking people uh, when was the first time they went to the theatre at all. Do you remember the first time you ever went to a theatre?
0: Oh, let me think. Uh, I take it, it was to see perhaps a pantomime in the New Theatre Cardiff. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing a variety bill, but I don't know whether that was with my father. He used to take my brother, so I don't know who that was with. Mm. And then there was a playhouse called the Prince of Wales Theatre in Cardiff, which later on I went to. But the, I suppose the most striking things were not plays that I saw that I There was a big, huge theater called the Empire, which has been pulled down a long time, which I think was Oswald Stowe's first big theater after the Colosseum. And my friend Michael and I, aged about 14, used to queue occasionally when the opera came and Mm -hmm. then the ballet came. Mm. And I think it was the most striking experience for me, or or was I saw... The original cast of um, Frederick Ashton's Symphonic Variations, which is a sort of unique piece of english dance modernism and oh. I, I was completely uh, I knew there was something going on if to I mean that wasn 't just um, ballet in the accepted sense it was something that that was very striking and uh I, I didn't. See, you see, I'm just a bit young for seeing certain of the great tours. Cardiff, which had been a great touring date, was, was dying when I was in my early teens. Right. So I didn't see Donald Woolfitt, do you know what I mean? Or, yeah, but I just, yeah. before I had asked Bill, I asked a group of people what was their first Hamlet, and Bill Gaskell said it was John Gielgud's In the War. And they had to put another uh, an understudy for Ophelia because Peggy Ashcroft had been caught in a bomb scare in, in the city. <laughs> so that kind of theatre going, I I didn't see. I, think I saw Rex Harrison and Kay Kendall in a, a, a revival of Blythe Spirit, I think.
1: You were born in Cardiff yeah. and lived there until you came to London, right? Yes. So. Um, uh, it's a city you continue to write about and continues to haunt your place I'm trying
0: to write a bit about it now, but I've sort of lost the uh, perhaps the need or the grasp yeah. or whatever
1: what are your memories of kind of like the stories you were reading in Cardiff or the way Cardiff or your school affected you as a writer or as an artist
0: well i was I was rather amused to find that Theresa May she needs to take the um the curse of having been born in a council house. Poor woman <laughs> this week, didn't she? <laughs> um, that's not the feeling She's most got a people lot of problems were born in council I. houses. <laughs> I was born in a little, new council estate, right. and in fact, uh, my brother died last year, and then the, the uh, tenancy my father took out 80 years ago uh, went back to the council, because you can have two. Um, uh, and it was a little estate yeah. on the top of the of the area adjacent to the docks on the moorland by the... Um, yeah. that, that, that links sort of Cardiff to Newport, by the side of the sea. So when we lived there, our little house garden went on to it, uh, so you could go on. And that's on the estuary of the River Rumney, which whereas I spent a lot of... So you could see the, the ships going down the channel from our bedroom.
1: When I, get, when I think about your plays, the omnipresent possibility of escape or yearning seems very redolent in them. So I guess the notion of the river or the moorlands on the edge of the city. Yes,
0: and it was called, um, the road, big road was called Moorland Road. Right. Um,
1: Were you a big reader as a boy?
0: Not. Uh, yes, whatever we didn't. Uh, I told something. We had the children's encyclopedia that my father had bought my brothers, mm-hmm. but nothing else. My parents were not readers, you know. They were bright people, but we had the library, which I went to. I used to go into the central library where all the theatre books were sort of around one pillar as you went in. So I just took the same one out usually of pictures of what was going on at that time. There was yearly pictures yeah so i had a strong yeah. image of what the london theatre was like in about 1948 as it were like all, all those Terence Rattigan at yeah the period before this
1: before before yes. this place yes. shifted yes. all around <laughs> yeah. um, was it uh, was london theatre something you hankered after was it somewhere you wanted to head to because you came to london quite young right
0: i don't think when i was little i went I come from really a mixed background of internal migration. My father's family came from the West Country, Mm -hmm. and so that's a West Country name, and my mother's family were Irish, and they were the people who dominated, of course. Um, We were brought up as pre-Vatican II Catholics, so the Welsh bit is quite a difficult thing to describe as exactly It's more Cardiff, really, and Cardiff of that period, which was before uh, what's called the tafia, before uh, before the sort of influx of uh, uh, of so many sort of Welsh-speaking media types, as it were. (laughs) Um, I like the idea. It was was like a kind of it's a bit like Liverpool, but not quite so fond of itself, really.
1: There are very few places <laughs> in the world that are quite so fond of themselves as <laughs> Liverpool, <laughs> says the mank. <laughs> um, um, I love the counterpoint of your description of your family home, and the presence of the river and the moorland, and this fascination with contemporary ballet and experimental theatre. Where the heck did that come from? Well, just perchance,
0: friends. Uh, I went to a grammar school. It, yeah. um, and my cousin had paid for me to go to a little prep school before it, so I, I, um, so I sort of lost my best friend early on, really now I come to think of it, because I went to a different school, and then I, right. I went. And, and uh, the grammar school situation, people don't understand not boys from really tough backgrounds didn't go to grammar school, right really on the whole uh that's a sort of and i keep thinking about that now just to talk about the present in all the discussion of of progressive inclusive Mm. i don't quite know how inclusive it all is actually really on the basic
1: level how inclusive the grammar school structure no no the theater uh, oh the theater oh right yeah yeah
0: uh, what I'm trying to suggest is the grammar schools were not really inclusive. Yeah. Um, How old were you when you came to London? Seventeen, just before my eighteenth birthday. I had my eighteenth birthday. In you didn't
1: London. go to university, or did you did A no. levels, or no? No. Did you come? You came wanting to be an actor.
0: I think I wanted to be an actor from very early on, as soon as I don't know how or what, why that was. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's because I, I still see a friend of mine who was a poet mm. from when we were seven. Mm. And for some unknown reason, he and I, uh, at, at an unexceptional remembrance of a teacher called Brother Ambrose, we learnt the Hubert Arthur scene from King John. I I don't know how that came about. (laughs) When we were about nine, well, he told us to learn it. I mean, I can only learn. You were about nine? What? You
1: were about nine,
0: did you say? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's why they should (laughs) do more Shakespeare early for people so it's not so frightening. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, But it wasn't, I sounded as if I had a very highly charged education. It was a hit and miss affair. Right. Right. You know, it was mainly religious.
1: But that experience of that scene.
0: Yes, we we were very well cast. uh, uh, (laughs) uh, 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 We were who you would cast, if you see it to me, John and I. He's he's retired, he lives in Cambridge, and my other great friend was a painter who was in the same class. So there was a little artistic coterie for some reason, and we were treated quite well, not as you know, there was a school hall, and we yeah. sometimes did a play, but not. it was not big time. But we had a very, very good art mistress, who just, uh, and I haven't much facility uh, for drawing anything, but um, she made us paint on great big pieces of paper, and she hung quite interesting pictures around the building. Mm.
1: So empowered you with the possibility yes. of being an artist, mm. even, even in then? Um, and
0: she was an artist. Yeah. Uh, 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 but she was one of that generation, I think, that, they, that sort of went in those days, not to goldsmiths. There were whole. There was a sort of revolution in teaching art by women who'd now be in their nineties, wow. who often were painters, wanted to, to go and teach art in state schools. It yeah. was a particular thing, I think. Did you?
1: Train as an actor
0: in London? Or did no, you? I went to the Welsh College for a year, in, right. which was called the Cardiff, the
1: city, in the castle. Now the Royal Welsh College. Yes. Yeah, a but magnificent it, place still.
0: Yes, in the, in in the Lord Butte's. My favourite drama theater.
1: school in Britain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it wasn't where it is now. It was actually in the castle. Was it? We had two big rooms in the uh, castle, mm. and. Uh, in the year above me was Anthony Hopkins, who was a friend of mine, and he and the boys who didn't live in Cardiff lived in the castle in wow. some part of it, I think, as I remember. Because it was a mainly a music school. It was a very fledgling drama department, and really the teachers were mainly amateur. Uh, I, I wouldn't say uh, – but we were quite talented. There were Pam Miles was uh, in, in Tony's year. There were a group of very quite talented people, actually, mm. in year by the standards that I go to see drama schools now.
1: And is that, um, is that true that story about you and Anthony Hopkins working as assistants on the touring production of Look Back in Anger? Is no, that- I
0: tell you, he was a bit older than me, and right. we were, but we were always given we had special lessons with the head, <laughs> right, uh, right. And he, we were in a production of Blood Wedding actually, in which he was astonishing, right. Mm. And I played the moon because I was younger. <laughs> And Pamela played the wife, I think, and anyway i I was just not happy, and i couldn 't cope, and i didn 't know what I just thought i can 't be here i don 't know when to go to class i don 't know how to act. Um, the sadness was that we were they used to have a man who taught quite a famous movement teacher called Rudolf Shelley, who taught at a the mm. uh, oh, there were very there were teachers like that who fled. Germany, Rudolf Laban, you know, taught Uh uh, in the North Drama School. Uh And he came to see us do our scenes or whatever, and he was very taken with us, the two two of us. And I think if he had come back, but he stopped coming, right, Uh I think he did, because he he was here, I think it might have been different, right, but I just felt that I wasn't getting anywhere, and, was, and I was very anxious and all the rest of it. And, I, and they left; Tony Hopkins left, so yeah. I left. So that was a problem. I had to go and see the Director of Education because we got given grants in those days. Right. right. Yeah. And so I thought, what am I going to do? So I had seen a school in a school a production by this thing called the Arts Council. I think <laughs> I'd seen The Rivals or something. Yeah. And I thought there's this place called the Arts Council, and it was in Park Place, which is right in the centre of Cardiff, which are sort of grand houses, but of do yeah. take offices by the New Theatre. Yeah. And I sort of went up there, and of course it, South Wales, if you, they are very very nice people, so if you had the nerve to go and say, "Can I meet talk to somebody?" Yeah. That's the nature of, and so. I said, look, what can I do? And they said, well, funnily enough, the Arts Council in London, yeah. the central, is sending out a tour to theatreless areas, including South Wales. And the man directing is called Frank Dunlop. And this is the address, St. James's <laughs> Square. So I w- wrote this letter, which Frank, who lives in America now, yeah. thank God hasn't got, because I think it was an extravagant letter. <laughs> And my mother woke me one day, and she said, there's a letter for you. And we were not really used to all all that many letters. Right. Um, So I opened it, and they said, could you be in London at the Arts Council by 11 o'clock, I think it was. And I said, look, I said, it's today. And she said, well, I'll lend you the money. So I went on a day trip to London. (laughs) And Frank gave me the job, because he said he couldn't not Right, because I looked about at twelve, I think, <laughs> <laughs> and I did an unsuitable audition, and he gave me a job as an assistant stage manager. So I got a job from my very first letter ever, and um, he, uh, to be an ASM uh, of this of you know, this tour of She Stoops to Conquer and Look Back in Anger, this play I'd heard about, which was the first production outside this theatre. And I went up, and he was very nice, and there was a designer called Riette Sturgemore and this company, mostly who seemed to have come from the Bristol Old Vic, all in duffel coats, and, I, and they, they needed another ASM. <laughs> <laughs> so I rang Tony Hopkins' <laughs> father's bakery, and I said, look, get on the train. Because there's this job, because I knew there was no way that Frank was not going to employ Tony Hopkins, perhaps intuitively right. rather than... Right. And he came up, and he was the other one, and we went on tour, <laughs> um, which was exhausting uh, and <laughs> absolutely terrible one-night stand tour, of oh, those areas, and yeah. we had to... And I often think I'm rather claustrophobic, because in the big Pantecticum, when we packed in the furniture, because I was little. There was Mr. Hardcastle's chair went in last, and yeah. then I had to sit in the chair,
1: and then they closed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you remember the impact of Look Back in Anger on you? The first well, time you I was the prompter.
0: Sorry. I, I was on the book for it. Yeah. Well, I I thought it was rather... And I thought it was very... Well, I mean, you don't know what, uh, what the experience was and what you're interpreting at the time. It was so like the time—not, I mean, in any fashionable sense—like the, the, the pain of that kind of age of people about eight years older than. Uh, mm. But it had absolutely nothing to do with me. I, it, I couldn't. I could hear it, and I could uh, enjoy the writing and the life of it. Mm. But it was a sort of. Alien sort of experience. I remember that vividly. It was about somebody older and somebody with different um, passions. But but it was uh, well, it was such good writing, and everybody was very good in it. A a, a, a marvellously interesting actress, actress who sort of pre-Glenda called um, Patricia Healy. Have you ever seen a little film by Lindsay called The White Bus, Lindsay Anderson? No, I've not. I love Lindsay's film. Well, that's Pat Healy, the girl. Yes. She she sort of had a a bit of a not temperament. She was um, too sort of northern educated, but she was an original. She was an original Patsy Healy. Uh-huh. Right. When was the first time you came to the Royal Court? I'm trying to think. I uh, I saw the chairs. I think that was the first thing mm-hmm. from, the, from the gallery, yeah um, uh, but uh, just an interesting thing about what what being in that kind of because you've got to remember this was an arts council thing, yeah. Frank was had been to the Vic school, some of the actors had the stage manager was very talented, became a director called Joan Knight, mm-hmm. and it had a strong whiff of the old Vic school, which I didn 't know anything about to yeah. it, right. Mm-hmm. And Riette Sturgemore, I think, might have even been at the London Theatre Studio. She had been going to be a theatre designer, and I couldn't get back on my 18th birthday to my where I was staying in a friend's uh, uh, relative's place in north-westland, north-east-west. And I couldn't get home, and she said, well, you must come to stay with me then. So off we went from the Unity Theatre, where we were doing the dress rehearsal, Mm To Hampstead, which I didn't know, and we went into this rather beautiful thing, and we went into t- to this house in Well Walk that I could see from the plaque had belonged to John Constable, wow. and I then uh, looked up who Riette was, and I knew I, I knew already I'd twigged that she was the daughter of a poet called Thomas Sturgemore, Moore, sort of what they call Georgian, you know, beginning. Yeah. But it was mainly later I realized that she was the niece of G.E. Moore, the, the, um, hmm. the philosopher that Paul, the, the Bloomsbury,
1: yeah.
0: had studied with. So I suppose I was in Bloomsbury, right? And that was an aspect of theater that I came into, of cultivated, friendly, kind, uh, artistic, serious, amusing people. I was very lucky.
1: Which is very different to not necessarily in the friendliness or kindness, but a different type of culture to the the new council house in Cardiff that you grew up in.
0: Yes, but it, that kind of kindness is much the same, but that, that yeah. particular group, that sort of, who all seemed to have a connection with Blooms. We were quite bit important in the, as a strand of the theatre, you know, in the 30s, right on. Yeah. You know, Peggy Ashcroft was married to, he just died to me, to Lord Hutchison, the lawyer, whose mother was Mary Hutchison, who people say Mrs. Dalloway
1: is about, but I don't wow. know that's true. When did you work at the Royal Court for the first time? I
0: came to do a general audition. As an actor? Yes. Yeah. Um, here, and I think it was Miriam Britton was the casting director who was a very important really important figure mm. to all those emerging directors. She mm-hmm. was a vital. Um, and I think Anthony Page was the assistant, was there. Mm-hmm. And so they then sent me a bit of the sport of my mad mother. Angelica, was Angelica you know? which they were this play they were going to do. And I came and I auditioned for it, and they gave the part to a friend of mine now called Paul Bailey, who's a novelist. Mm. Who, no. And that was... But th- then Anthony got me in to meet Lindsay Anderson when they were doing the Long and the short and at all, oh. and they gave me an understudy job. <laughs> so I understudied Alfie Lynch and David Andrews. <laughs> And I went on, I took over briefly, um, and they were, as you can imagine, I, they, they were all older than me and they were all tearaways, right? <laughs> um, so I used to go to parties, they, t- they would take me to parties, and I didn't drink, and they were complete piss artists. <laughs> right? And futuro2 was very, very brilliant in it. Um, and I, I took over a part briefly, uh, and then I think Lindsay said, you look too young, you can't go on with this. <laughs> I shared a dressing room in the West End, it's just come to me with, uh, with Michael Caine, who understudied Peter O'Toole. You shared a dressing
1: room with Michael Caine?
0: Yes. <laughs> now I come to think of it, Now that sounds a bit thing, but, uh, but um, then a typical court-seater thing happened, which Anthony w- w- will not admit to, but anyway. When I, when Lindsay said, well, you're too young pe- thing, there's this person called Emerus James. So I said, all right, well, I'll go back. Because I was then, I did a few Sunday nights. I was in a couple of things, just doing what was needed, you know, what, yeah. here.
1: Yeah, this is when they used to do new plays on Sunday nights. Yeah, Sunday the, night
0: yeah. productions without Dacre, which George Devine invented. was a ve- They were marvelous occasions often, but yeah. he, he always, I think he imagined him, George, who was a stage manager par excellence, that they yeah. would be like a last run. People sometimes tried to go too far and then there'd be a scene change and it was a nightmare, but that's what he imagined. <laughs> and they were big occasions,
1: really. You from, write about them in York Realist?
0: Uh, yes, they, yeah. were, they, were, they were proper occasions. And yeah. if, you, if you were in... It was terribly elitist theatre. If you were in the in-crowd, you got a free seat in the circle. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> not be approved of now. What was Devine like? What was George Devane like? He was very kind and a bit remote and gruff and collegiate. And I I don't know all well though, I lived in the house that his wife owned. Mm. Um, uh, But he was a truly, he was, he was the reason why it all worked because he was essentially had been. I think, uh, my new idea is, I think he was the first modern lighting designer, George Devine. Because if you look up the program of uh, Michel Santini's production of Three Sisters, it Mm -hmm. says Lighting by George Devine, and he played Andre in it. Wow. And he did all that kind of thing here, so he nursed all of them through.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, You know, who were above such things as lighting the show. Do you know what I mean? And he he lit lots of things. So he had. Real stage management skills, mm. and in a way, he was n- not modern enough. He didn't have any of the buccaneer quality about him that right. the sixty called. He was a proper manager, George. And yeah. I, I had, have got it somewhere. I had a in his pen, pen, blue pen the thing. Uh, it said, "P Gill, please sign your memos. It is bad admin, not to." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's absolutely right. <laughs> When, when, cause uh, and so he
0: was very, very. Uh, I mean, I didn't w- work with him with thing. But when I wanted to do the first Lawrence play, I asked him if he'd read it, and his approbation of the fact that you wanted to do it, and that was fine. Right. You see? And so you felt safe, completely safe.
1: The um, I'd love. To, I want to talk about the Lawrence plays. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk briefly about what it was like being in this theatre in the sixties when uh Devine was running it or after he ran it because we had John Dexter here, Lindsay Anderson, Tony Richardson, mm-hmm. Bill Gaskell. Mm-hmm. Fearsome figures. Fearsome. But um Terrible. compelling figures if as well. You were the youngest in that sort of trying to please them. You and were you the youngest?
0: Well yes, they're they're all about eight to nine years older than yeah. me. They would already hear. Yeah. And I I um so Lindsay directed the, 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 um, uh, uh, the, Look, the long on the short. Long the short Anthony talk. was the assistant. Yeah, Anthony Page. Uh, um, who was the first of the young people. He was not in the uh, right. Yeah. Uh, and then I was in a Sunday night of the kitchen. I was in the first Sunday night. I had a tiny part. Mm-hmm. And John Dexter was amazing, how he did it. You know, uh, I don't think he'd get away with a lot of (laughs) his kind of strictness or shouting and bawling. Right. But it was a masterwork, and I was—I only had a tiny part, and unfortunately, I became a favourite to John's in a production which didn't work out because he was a terrible, could be a terrible bully. But it was an amazing production, and of course, it was unusual because people didn't do. Work plays really, yeah. and, and not short ones. So there was no notion of it originally being able to possibly go into the main bill, though it did, because you couldn't think like that. Mm. that however, you looked at the theatre, there were there was a sense of experiments through the last century. But the notion that you could do a, a shortish, yeah. big cast play.
1: Yeah.
0: So lots of things for your generation that were more. More forward pushing than they could appear to be. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do you mean to see a play with a, 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 a set in a restaurant? Do, 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 uh, yeah. do, do you know I mean from the <laughs> in the kitchen uh, the limit, with a big cast in uh, which was a relatively short play? That was sort of unimaginable. Not something anybody could afford to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Where did you find the Lawrence plays? How did you come across the Lawrence plays? Well, I had liked reading a couple of the novels and stories, Yeah. and somewhere along the line, you knew uh, he Lawrence had written a play. There were people. People often said, "Well, you know, Wordsworth wrote a play. Or, you know that because everybody wrote a play, yeah. except for the women writers, whether yeah. they were good or you know, shit yeah. thing. Thomas Hardy wrote a play. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So." There was a thing called the British La- Drama League, which was which is gone now, I think. Which which was a sort of organisation for amateur companies all over the country, and it had a big library, uh, and you could hire a whole edition. You could you could d- the amateur theatre, depending on hiring the plays from the British Drama League, right. and the big towns had a local office, for example. So I either rang them up. I think they were in Fitzroy Square, uh, but I said, "Is there?" A D.H. Lawrence play, and this little green first edition play came to the court of this play called *The F- Collier's Friday Night*. Yeah. So I read it, and I thought, "Wow!" And I because the court had really started saying the works of, of of a sort of frail, if you like, in one way, non-dramatic in a traditional way. Um, I thought, well. I can see this is very beautiful, and it was in—I could see that it was in fact a chapter from *Sons and Lovers*, really, called Lass and Girls Love* in dramatic form. Mm. And I—and sh- that's when I, without being be sentimental, showed it to George Devine, and saying—and he, his thing was, "Well, do it then." Because uh, 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 so I did. I also <laughs> did it because it was my turn. I'm the only director who didn't want. <laughs> to do a show because I was so anxious that everybody else who's assisting or whatever were yeah. all uh, but I thought oh god what will I do I can't uh, can I direct I mean I, how did I know how to direct I'd never directed anything
1: you'd never trained as a director no
0: or been to university so yeah. but I had been an actor
1: yeah
0: and I'd seen them all direct and I sort of had an instinct about it so, I did it on a Sunday night, and it was, and it was very, what you'd call court theatre of the time because yeah. of it, because it was, it was undidactic. It was, uh, it it embodied what it was about. It, uh, so people liked it.
1: Yeah,
0: and at exactly that time, Methuen produced the eight plays in. In a hardback. The. The age all, all the plays he wrote exactly right. just after that, <clears throat> oh,
1: well, and then
0: uh, I read them, and um, the, the next because it had gone well, people had liked it, yeah. and I now had, a, 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 and I was an assistant by that time. I mightn't be. I can't remember. Uh, there was an, a, a chance to do a, not big money production with a relative and I did the daughter-in-law. Right. And that was very, that had a sort of sleeping quality that it, people kept mentioning it and so mm. then the next year we put them all to the three plays together the three plays. The, the thing about that... In the that, main
1: bill, rather than on the Sunday nights?
0: No, the daughter-in-law was in the main bill.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, so um, you've gone from not directing at all to directing a trilogy <laughs> of unproduced D. H. Lawrence plays. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh,
0: before that, you see, yeah. no, one way I got out of it all, now yeah. I'm thinking of it, was that I, Desmond O'Donovan, who was a figure that people don't know about, who was a great friend of mine, and yeah. who was a kind of People used to sort of sneer about Desmond because he was in many ways hopeless, but he was <laughs> in fact very, very gifted and a great spirit, right? Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he was, a, he was a, a victim of the 60s because he became um, rather psychotic occasionally. He was a, the first assistant director of the National Theatre. He assisted Olivier, and he did a beautiful production of Shallorny of the Wells' Desmond. So he did my play The Sleeper's Den with Eileen Atkins on a Sunday night before that. That's, that's just before. Mm-hmm. So then I got caught in up in this dilemma of I how had I become a, written a play? And <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, uh, uh,
1: I'd uh, love to uh, why uh, the Sleepers Den was the first play. Was it absolutely the first play? Had you written anything before? Do you stumble into writing I, one of I'd always plays, tried
0: that. to write, <laughs> right, but I didn't know what it was, how to do it, or whatever. And yeah. I have very, very, very bad handwriting, so nobody... So, so there was a... I had written... A, a, this is a, that time in one's life when you meet people. And I'd met a chap, a boy called Robert Rubens, who's dead now, yeah. who worked on a magazine called The Transatlantic Review. And he said... Um, do you think you'd read some play? We're going to have a play, because plays were the thing that had suddenly become... It had altered the situation that that an arty magazine could say, let's... uh, And I said, no, I'm going to write a play, right? (laughs) So I wrote a little play, or had notes, and I said, well, you should ask Keith Johnston to be the adjudicator. So they they then, in fact, asked Bill.
1: Bill Gaskell. And he
0: was a friend of mine yeah. because he lived near where I lived in Hammersmith in Sophie's house. And he, typical Bill, if this had been anybody else, one day he said, Will you read this play? And it's this piece of work is not very good, but it's set in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> and it's possibly the only thing that's any good on this thing. I said, Before you go any further, I'm absolutely certain I sent this in under a pseudonym. <laughs> I can tell. And, and typical of Bill, he sort of went, oh, right. So he then said, this was, he actually did this, only Bill Gaskell, yeah. right? Uh, in his note, he said, this is the least worst <laughs> of the plays. <laughs> so I had written this little couple of things, scenes before. Um, and then Desmond did The Sleeper's Den, and then I did my first production. So I was caught up, I read now with hindsight, in a weird situation
1: of being uh, both a writer and a director and a right or, or, yeah.
0: uh, I think I wanted to be a director because I understood it having been an actor and observed mm-hmm. do, 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 do you see me was well, i didn't mm-hmm. know much about the science
1: of playwriting but you decided to carry on writing plays yes sort of slightly wasn't.
0: yes sort of as a partly sort of secret right and then a, a, a a friend of everybody's called George Gochus, who was an American sociologist who to- had lived with Tony Richardson, and then with Donald Howarth, and was mm-hmm. a friend of Bill's and Georgia and everybody, he was very, was a good friend on that level and said, well, you ought to go on writing. I remember him saying it, and that I felt somehow somebody had, that,
1: that,
0: that, that, that him saying it somehow made it.
1: Yeah. All right. We need those people, don't we? Yes, we, we damn will do. To yes. encourage and continue, encourage. He was a continue.
0: big influence, you know,
1: George Goetz actually on people at the court theater. Mm. because of his time. capacity to encourage. Well, he
0: was American. Uh, he'd been a big social worker, and he was sort of all the virtues of a sort of pragmatic. Um, I think he was hugely important in to Tony Richardson calming him down. And
1: Moving forward, mm-hmm. leaping chronologically. Mm-hmm nearly a decade having established your position both as director and writer of note in my opinion uh, in 1974 you went to the national theater as associate there Uh, i've heard uh, david hare talking about the schism between the court and the national and the sense that he he felt as though he'd betrayed people by going to the national how was it for you to go to the Well, National I Theatre? had been,
0: Well, it was a so long because I had done this thing. I'd I had become a director and directed all kinds of things here. I yeah. directed the restoration of comedy. I directed the Duchess of Malfi. All kinds of mad things. At the Royal Court. Yes. Yeah. But I had then already been at Riverside Studios. I'd started Riverside Studios. Of course, Studios, you had. That was my mistake. And, no, no, it's all right. It's just that um,
1: I was a barman at the Riverside Studios oh, as there well. We are decades after you set the place up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I uh, should have remembered and, and the Riverside I, no, Studios. No, no, and, and then I, I was stuck because I lived near the studios and I got into the habit of going to the studios and I found going anywhere else increasingly difficult.
1: Can we pedal back then and talk yeah. about the establishment
0: yeah. of Riverside Studios? Well, I was a writer and freelance, as it were, as they say. Yeah. And I lived in Hammersmith, right? Yeah. And the, the BBC offered uh, the, the, the Labour Party had a very good leader called Barry Stead, and it had a very good man who was, famously, uh, uh, went into Parliament called Nick Rainsford. Mm. Right, and Barry Stead said he would rebuild a Lyric Hammersmith, which the Tories had pulled down. And about the same time, the BBC offered him the, the Riverside Studios at a fairly low price, which were old a television studios. studios. Yeah. And he ha- he realised that he couldn't turn it down, but he didn't know what to do. Uh, and at the same time, the Fulham Palace had been given to the borough by the Bishop of London, right? And they came up with a sort of tripartite idea, sort mm. of, which would, they would rebuild the civic theatre, uh, 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 which they actually the Tories did in the end in a bad way, mm. and they would they would have. What this 60s mission, a community art center in Riverside Studios, and they would do something with Riverside with Thing, right? Yeah, and so I was sent a letter and then I was rung up by Sir Hugh Willett, who had been a great liberal figure. Uh, He had been the he had been the run the Arts Council in the 60s with with, um, when the big. Oh, when Jenny Lee was a, you know, he was a, a figure, yep. he had, when he was a local person in Nottingham, he had got the Nottingham Playhouse rebuilt, etc. Which is a massively he, important thing. in the he, 70s, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he said, they've asked me to be on the board, and, and will, are you going to? And I said, yeah, well, if you're going to do it, I will. And we were on the board, and there was this struggle between a sort of pro- imitation progressive um, uh, slightly social work impulse. Yeah, and yes. one that said, look, there's very little money and this is for the arts, whatever they are, yeah. um, of people who were possibly even rather more left-wing, because I think Hugh had been very left-wing in his youth, though so you'd never think so, right? Because uh, he told me once he'd been to see Tyroff direct uh, uh, and he hadn't paid to go, I don't think. <laughs> uh, uh, um uh, um so the, so it fascinated me because I hadn't been in politics, right, mm-hmm. and I just knew that this was going to be money down the drain as I'm people left. did sort of, uh, uh, you know, appeared to do things or they could do something so, I organised a, a, a consultative weekend where we put on things. I, I yeah. managed to get the cast of an As You Like It I'd Done for Richard Eyre. Mm-hmm. They all came and did it for one performance. And we opened it out. and uh, So, there was a proper public consultation. We had a children's. Open it out to the yeah, audiences, to the, to the audience. The public in Hammersmith. in Hammersmith to come that yeah. weekend and let yeah. us know. And then they offered me the job. And I took it because I became fascinated by by the notion of having something that was popular that was cheap that was open or whatever but <sighs> which was going to be about art yeah. and not uh, not fucking
1: about right you not it just inclusionism well
0: not just a sort of what but, I've seen is happening now kind of uncentered progressive, yeah. right. Uh, but of course it was an easier, t- it was hard time because there wasn't any money, but it was an easier time because things were not quite so Stalinist, if you were an artistic director, as I think they are now. Right.
1: <laughs> in what sense, Stalinist?
0: <coughs> well, now I, but, but I'm getting old, so it may, well I just feel, last year I went to do a reading of a play of mine in, at the National Theatre yeah. called Certain Young Men. And I just felt, well, I felt this pressure, not from the individuals, but them being pressured, to sort of program how I should. Right thing and I did a question and answer, which I don't think after, which was absolutely mad, I thought <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, um, There's
1: a pressure to structure work in a way that's not. Well necessarily to, to suggest the work.
0: that it is it's got to be something other than it is Yeah. I, I mean it's a dilemma right. for your generation. The fact is is the British are very, very good at observed reality, right yeah. I've always had been yeah uh, right, so that the 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 mass of plays. Are very particular, and they're particular in all kinds of ways—gender, do you mean? So it's a very, very—it's—it's a way in which we are absolutely not European, if you like. Right. Our plays don't fit abstract conception.
1: Because we're fascinated with old and young. Well, as I
0: say, when to see the way of the world, I mean the genius of that is—is is when Lady Wishford turns on the servant that she likes and that, who she's taken off the streets and she describes what she used to do, it's not a speech, well I suppose Molly M. M. Like, but it's not a speech any a writer other than an English writer would write.
1: Right, because of the specificity. They're completely specific,
0: yeah. so it's a very difficult, I wouldn't know how I would approach things if I was a young man now, but that's what
1: but I in a thought. different time, in the 70s, 1974, Riverside Studios, yeah. you created a space in which you could uh, produce art of that the highest calibre. Mm-hmm. And as long as people didn't have to pay too much money to get in... Yeah, the coffee was cheap. We made, it couldn't
0: happen now. We made no money from the food, which right. was quite good. Uh, yeah. uh, right? <laughs> uh, and anybody could come. Right, and I was able to bring Cantor down from, you know, f- from lots of people in, yeah. because what I think people are forgetting, is it's London. You're not in Hull. You can find out what's touring. You <laughs> yeah. know, I heard that Eckhard <laughs> Schell was coming to London. Who was Brecht's son-in-law and had created uh, a lot of the parts, right? And so I got somebody to get in touch with him uh, because I knew he did a little show, and he came and did it, do you, do you see uh, me? Yeah. which you couldn't do. It's, it's. Uh, but I often think people don't realise how. Uh, um, uh, and I didn't. Ha- I didn't think Hammersmith had to be parochial or right. provincial or whatever the
1: word is. And that spirit of. A f- fearless commitment to art of the highest caliber
0: yeah we were we we were a bit of a platform for the new for modern dance too we managed right. to because we didn't have a dance floor so there was a, a woman called rosemary Butcher who just died for example mm. there were all kinds of people who did dance in what looks common now but was unusual would do yeah. them you know on the top of buildings and things so we were we we managed to have a good program were you continuing to write on and off Uh, 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 right i sort of didn't want to write it and get up and write because i was no good at that so i wrote a little play called kick for touch at that time
1: which is one of my favorite plays Mm -hmm. of all plays (laughs) it's one of the plays that i've stolen dialogue from as well (laughs) i stole dialogue from kick for touch for country music (laughs) it's an extraordinary moment at the end when the two characters look at each other and say when we were kids. Do you remember when we were kids? <laughs> Which I might, I might tear up talking about. <laughs> it's an exquisite play. Well, it was uh,
0: Well, you've just broken a memory. I started writing it, and I. this is a true story. It's just <clears> come to me. And I read Harold Pinter. The play Betrayal was published in a magazine first, and I read it, and I thought, fuck me, this is about two men and a woman in a thing, I'm fucked. So I didn't write the play for about a year and a half. Oh.
1: <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking get in there with their yes, ideas. Right. aren't they? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the process of writing Kick for Touch? In those days,
0: I'm a bit more sane now. I used to write in sort of bit uh, fragmented notes. Uh, right. sort of, uh, write And things... <laughs> became accumulated. Uh, I used to be pretty harsh on the quality of the writing and I uh, so they often took me a long time.
1: Right. The pro- were you handwriting, writing by hand? Yes. Yeah. And you was and then uh, later on,
0: she's retired now, Wait, later on there was a young woman at the, oh god I've forgotten her name now, isn't this terrible? But the National, who was a genius, absolute at reading handwriting. Oh wow. So she was to type my stuff up.
1: Ah.
0: I, I, then I learned to sort of use a computer. Right. I tried to learn a typewriting, but I was absolutely couldn't do yeah. it, really. I couldn't understand the tabulation.
1: Do you write c- on computer now? Yes. Yeah. More. Yeah. Were you a note-taker, or did you, were you write? Yeah, bits bu- of paper. Yeah.
0: Mm. And that's what I would say to young writers. You have to be very forgiving of yourself, really, if you want to write, because everybody will... It's fascinating if you see people a kid or thing how they write, because everybody looks mad when they write, don't they? Yeah, it's one of so my favourite things, watching so people you write. Have yeah. to, so you have to say to young writers, whatever it is that suits, do. <laughs> and it yeah. took me a long time to understand that, um, you know, I was not a... Particularly coherent thinker, uh, uh, etc. Do, do, do you say to I mean?
1: You're more intuitive thinker here. I
0: suppose so. Really, um, you're writing I'm from too feeling, in- and intuitive, really. But yeah. uh, um, which is, you know, I wish I'd been trained a bit more. Do you know, do you know what I mean?
1: Well, the beauty comes out of that intuition mm-hmm. as well. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the National Theatre. We can go. We can leap yes. forward to where I made my mistake earlier.
0: I think it's a sign of people talk about Peter. They don't know nothing, but it's the sign of Peter. that he was very. He was very often late in picking who was interested. Right, but he was not. Scared. Uh, 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 of other people's talents. That's true right right which is yeah. a very good gift of uh, I mean he had many problems so obviously I'd done this thing at Riverside and I had done the cherry orchard when he did it and I they tried to muscle me out of doing it huh. uh, and I hadn't done it because they were doing it I didn't know they were doing it so he uh, uh, he offered me a job because I thought if I don't do something I will never go out of Hammersmith ever again so <laughs> I had to um, yeah. I, and I don't know what I feel about whether I should have gone to the National now. I don't know whether I should have or not.
1: But the National Theatre studio that you created...
0: Yes, then... Well, I did that partly to get out of being me or being uh, doing plays at the National Theatre. <laughs> was partly to sort of... Um, I met Clinton Justin by chance in the street because I'd been in rep with her and she accused me of cowardice when I... Uh, <laughs>
1: When you went to the studio, yes. you was shying away from the actual National <laughs>
0: Theatre. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, that's a, an insight. You see where Anthony's talent was. Anthony Page, who is also the most underrated director I that's think, and I can director. I can see why in many because I've been his assistant. So <laughs> and I've been, direct. but he ran a company in. Um, he was a couple of things. He ran Dundee Rep. Mm. And I went up there to be in a play, and the cast was Glenda, me, Eddie Fox, Gorn Granger. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, uh, in uh, Dundee. In Michael Culver, Jeffrey Wickham. Yeah. Yes. He had a real feel for it. And Nicol Williamson, which is where Anthony discovered Nicol Williamson, who was the best actor of one of the best
1: actors of I've one of the seen. Best, and one of the best actors certainly on, on this stage. Mm, that we're I seeing. was the
0: assistant on Inadmissible Evidence. I had, to, you really? I had to
1: teach him the part. Sorry, this is me being a theatre geek. Inadmissible Evidence, John Osborne's play, which is a savage and magnificent, mm, difficult...
0: I was, I was the assistant.
1: And his performance in that is one of the great performances. Yes, in, it
0: was wonderful. And he couldn't learn it very well, Nicol. He was. The I'm man, not bloody surprised. Yes.
1: Ba- <laughs> Sorry, so carry on, I please. I had to teach him the part. Were you aware that you were watching A Magnificent Actor? Well, I already knew,
0: because I'd been um, in a play with him at uh, uh, a thing, and Bill had cast him, sight unseen, on Miriam's and Antony's recommendation in a production that he did of um, Arden of Faversham. Uh, Bill Gaskell had just cast him, because he believed in them, and so he was a wonderful actor. He and was a horrible person, really, or difficult to work with. Right. I directed him as Malvolio at Stratford, which he was amazing.
1: <laughs> um, I uh, want to talk about uh, your plays more. So I could okay. t- just because I love them. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk about Cardiff East mm-hmm. and the writing of Cardiff East.
0: I don't Ooh. think that's a very good play, you
1: know. Oh, I really disagree <laughs> with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't think, I think it's a bit what, on schematic. What, on what it's a bit sort of tick boxy, I think, possibly. <laughs> mm. It's right. that I sort of wanted, I remember now, wanted to write about Cardiff, I suppose, yeah. in a way, and I didn't know how to because it's a sort of strange city. It's a lovely city now, but it was, I was brought up in a sort of doldrum. A period because mm. when well, it had faded from its big thing as a port yeah, and hadn 't become this sort of
1: media place media place, the home mm. of Doctor Who, mm. so it didn 't know what it was, mm. and the play was an attempt to capture that so, yes in yeah. a
0: particular well the fact that card that the the, in, the original hubs. Right, because Cardiff was a very was nothing. It only had two pumps in eighteen forty, I think. Do you know what I mean? It was it was a a late place. Right. So it depended on these immigrant communities, as I say, like all cities did, and and Mm. it was sort of a junior member of all the of London or Newcastle or whatever, and uh, and so of course. It had already when I was born because of council housing the 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 com- the original co- communities had now begun to mix outside the right. particular areas. so my mother was from a part of kind of called town which was quintessentially Irish. My father was from splot, which was uh, right. more english yes. My do do you mean but yeah. but it had become m- more mixed uh, d- d- uh, 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 um, and so I sort of, sort of wanted to write something about that. You know, my cousin's grandfather was Portuguese. Do you know, and um, yeah. um, there were all kinds of. You know, I was in school with people call it Adrian Strinati, or you know, or um, Polish names. Yeah. Or you know. when you're making a
1: play, whether it's Cardiff East, a massively disappointing play like Cardiff East, <laughs> <laughs> or Small Change, yeah. or Kick. For touch. What do you know before you start writing? What, do you know that you're going for a tone or an idea or an image? Or it's
0: different now. As I've got a little bit more confident, I'm not saying any better, I perhaps approach things differently. Uh, uh, originally, I just didn't know what I was doing, really. I just noted mm. things in dialogue mm. to, 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 to yeah. mean, until they grew into something.
1: Right. Right.
0: And I think that's what I'm... I think Cardiff is a bit schematic. Yeah. Later on now, I'm more... more... uh, less scattered. Right. And perhaps that could mean it's not so alive in one way, but it is on the whole more, and a bit more. So I wrote a play called Versailles a few years ago. Well, that's entirely based on the fact that my friend John Burgess recommended I read... um, uh, 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 Maynard Keynes's book, *The Inner Economic Consequences of the Peace*, which yeah. I could hardly understand because he was at the, he was a junior member of the delegation—and he yeah. wrote this w- political-changing book. And the thing about it was that it was exquisitely written. Mm. I couldn't quite get all the economics. I thought well, I couldn't get them at all, really. But uh, so then I wrote a play, *More* scene
1: by scene right no of course not
0: but i mean less less
1: not so much scratching notes yes, and just not kind of shaking it, yeah.
0: impressionist as it were whether that's yeah. good or bad that's what i did in that play yeah, yeah.
1: the um, i'd love to it seems we need to talk about the york realist sitting on this stage because it's a play which i saw in this theatre uh, when i was i think it was at the start of my residency and f- and really a play of such beauty and Fragility and humanity. What I love about your plays is the lack of thesis, the lack of didacticism. It's like we're spending time with humans and allowing them to be complicated and contradictory. Tell me about and but but it's beautiful that play because it's a love letter to this theatre in a way. It it's is, a,
0: and of course Ian, who I love so, don't I think? Ian Rickson. I don't think he knew that Stephen Unwin had to point it out to him. Yeah. Right. Because Stephen I, I was going to do the play, but didn't, he did do it, but he didn't have a lot of money
1: to use mm. company. English Touring Theatre, yeah. Mm. So um, were you aware, when you were writing York Realist, were you aware that you were writing for this? I think I was.
0: I yeah. can't remember now. I think that certainly here and there I meant it to be. Yeah. And I had been... It's not... I mean, it's just a sort of romance, really. It was, uh, uh, um, I... Uh, uh, it's just I seem to have known lots of Yorkshiremen, (laughs) in particular Bill Gaskell, and they're all the same, right? Um, So I don't know. I've never lived in Yorkshire. I mean, I only know it, and I was Bill's assistant on Mm. the York Mystery Plays, so that's where it came from. And somebody didn't come to rehearsals once because I think they had to do sheep shearing. (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, 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 And I don't know where it came from. I think it was a... I think it was my attempt to write an ordinary play. To be in a play. Yeah. that was not. Um,
1: it's a play. It's uh, a play in one space, right? It's a play in one, one room. One space
0: and uh, a limited
1: number of actors. Yeah.
0: So it was, I suppose. It uh, it was a it was a sort of homage, I suppose, in a way to yeah. the court
1: type play. You know. When you one of the things which whenever I read your plays is both fascinating and slightly kind of uh, difficult, mm-hmm. is you don't write stage directions, and to me it reads like you're not, you're writing so that nobody else can direct it. Well, that's what Nicky always <laughs> says,
0: and that's what Bill said. Bill, Bill in a, I read a bit of his uh, thing the other day, and he's so much a bastard, he said, uh, he said, well, of course, this way of directing is brilliant, and it is wonderful for, for Gill's plays. I'm not certain it's right for other plays. <laughs> That's having your best friend. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I don't think that's what it was. It was because I was a good pupil, right, if mm-hmm. you like, and my sort of ca- slavish Catholic um, Puritanism, I thought that Shavian. It was out, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's come back in again. Uh, you the know, shaving uh, stage To a woman of certain age, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, It was yeah, out, yeah. And, and that it was a test of writing, really, to try and make it work without having to d- describing anything. So it was a thing I made myself do. Yeah. It's a Shakespearean um, thing, in a way. There's yes, no stage that, 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 in um, Shakespeare.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, what have you learnt as a writer from directing?
0: I haven't learned anything as a writer much really because it's too hard what I might have said to myself as a thing. Mm. It? It's about the sort of Aristotelian action, forward looking, you know. The best play I suppose I've ever directed was Antigone, which I directed with <laughs> because it's purely oomph. Yeah. It's just action, action,
1: action. The older I get and the more plays I read, mm-hmm. the more I think there's no point reading any plays apart from those, yeah, those uh, Greek uh, plays.
0: But then on the other hand, I think it's Germaine Griest said it somewhere where I heard her say, is that discursiveness is, however, a narrative device as, as, uh, as powerful as any other, if you, yeah. you know. It's, uh, so I learned to be less puritanical this was a weird place to be a young man in the court theater, because there were so many hidden rules, you know, what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 but that was part of the fun of it.
1: The, um, I love very much the idea that you only go to see new plays.
0: I do mostly now, uh, yeah. on the whole. Not because I'm a Puritan. It's just that I, with the classic repertoire, you go and you think, eh, and it's all straightforward. If you know, mm-hmm. and You go, anything would be better than this, and then you go and see the opposite, <laughs> and you think absolutely anything would be better than this. So I'm too out of... Uh, yeah. I'm not really interested in what they call director's theater. I suppose I am, if it suits me, and yeah. I've, you know, uh, I was thinking, because Winston and Shona died recently, what was the best thing I'd ever seen? And I think probably, or by which I would measure things, I mm-hmm. think, Sizwe who was Dead Here was probably, would fit the bill, where it was a brilliant piece of of theatre making, as they all say now.
1: The notion of going to see new plays implies to me a sense of great optimism in the future of playwriting and theatre.
0: Well I think it, I think the revolution, or whatever we'll call it, worked. People keep doing new plays. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, I wish they wouldn't do some of them myself. I wish they could. the writer could calm down a bit. And the, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, all the things that you would say. So uh, I'm not slavish in going, I'm just saying, what have I seen recently? Yeah. I liked Consent, I very much like a play here called Cutting It, yeah. so that was a brilliant play yeah. uh, because that was all action. Yeah. Um, I yeah. just I am in mean, a bit of revolt against certain elements of the progressive movement. Because you, you'll often see a play directed because it, it is an Arts Council pleasing thing, rather than the person who should be directing the play. Yeah. So that, you know, what's the name, uh, 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 um, gosh, who wrote Consent? I know her. Nina Rain. Nina was well served by having a, a, a quote-unquote very good and fashionable, as it were, yeah. director, a proper director.
1: When you look at your finally, when you look at your plays you read your own plays?
0: What well, when I when now back,
1: do you ever look back and look I ha
0: I don't like it. No. Well sometimes I go, ooh right. <laughs> 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 I do did you? But mostly, I think, what were you doing? What, what, <laughs> what kind of Why would you...? Right, so I don't, really. But I, I, it's the double thing. I sometimes think, how on earth did you do this, uh, right? Yeah. Being You being you. Do, the, do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And then, what on earth were you um, thinking? What on earth? <laughs> yeah. But do you notice more analytically than that? Do you notice you, as a writer, returning to themes or ideas
0: Um, well, it's all sort of the same thing i have made I made a conscious decision to write a play with Versailles that was more or less like a play yeah uh, do, 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 uh, do you hmm. mean and i i I was quite pleased that I had allowed myself to have this character who was actually dead right mm. because that would have been something I partly now think really <laughs> You know, because he's not a lie. He comes mm-hmm. back right mm-hmm. in that play. Um, uh,
1: but other than that, in the other plays, do you notice? When well, I've obsessions. got two plays that
0: people are ready to be put on, but people, they're both different. But people, the world's moved on. I don't know if they ever will put them on. I'm um, not feeling. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, does I, that I say it again. What exactly? Do what they do they
1: you want? write about? If you look at all the body of players, All of them. If you look, It's like, I am the writer who writes about this.
0: I suppose I've written about... Um, mostly about the... Uh, the economic, social, emotional world that I was born into, mainly, mm. I think, haven't I, I suppose. Yeah. I've tried to record certain things, I suppose, as best I could. Mm. Um, and... There always seems to be t- Bill, of course, noticed this. There always seems to be two men, right, who are some version of one bloke or something. Hmm. yeah, uh, there seemed to be t- argument going on with two. <laughs> <laughs> from, that, from uh, I hadn't realized that Bill pointed out in Overgarden's Gardens out a yeah, I wrote early on and did upstairs. That seems, that seems to happen. There's always two men. whatever goes on, I think, I seem to be, um, who are sort of, I don't know what, that's the only thing, that's partly because it was
1: pointed out to me. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. You've intuited your way through Mm -hmm. that emotional Mm -hmm. terrain, Mm -hmm. with real force and clarity. Mm -hmm. Peter Gill, thank you very much indeed. (laughs) Thank you. We always end the podcast with (coughs) Anoushka, Who's a write, brilliant writer in her own right? Um, her, her, her facts and <coughs> questions. Have you? Did you spot any facts in this? You need to come. You need to share my microphone.
0: <clears throat> no, not a lot to say. That the show that you said that you saw here that you liked was Notes from the Field by um, Anna DeVere Smith.
1: Yes, very good. The political American play. Mm. Yeah, very good.
0: But actually, I think Emily had some interesting facts because as Peter was recalling various places in Cardiff, (laughs) Emily kept being like, that's a Weatherspoons now. A pub. <laughs> that's a pub. And I think you said at one point there were only two pubs, but it sounds like producer Emily knows. So many pubs. <laughs> Do you know Cardiff? <laughs> I
1: went to Royal Welsh Crown Music and Drum. Oh, mm. right. Mm. And
0: uh, the
1: Prince of Wales in particular, which is right by the station, yes. which you can still sit on the circle level and see down. All oh, the really? Yes. Yeah. Just um, opposite
0: the Royal Hotel. Yes, yeah.
1: that is now a Weatherspoons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and in the old Central Library, that is um, a pub as well. Do you have any... Uh, questions So where did you live? I live just on City Road on the oh. between City Road and Splot. Well I
0: went <laughs> to school to a little private school uh just where do you know where the mansion house is?
1: Yeah, yeah. just there. Nice.
0: Very good.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe at royalcourttheatre.com or iTunes to get the next episode. You can purchase many of the plays discussed at royalcourttheatre.com forward slash shop. The Playwrights Podcast is brought to you by the Royal Court Theatre, presented by me, Simon Stevens, produced by Anushka Warden and Emily Legg.